0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. We have a Bible, Joshua chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, you'll see it on the big screen behind me, and we can read it there. Joshua chapter 24, let me give you some context. Uh, The people of God had been in slavery for hundreds and hundreds of years. A man named Moses Uh, movies about him, stories about him. Almost everybody knows about Moses. Moses delivered them and freed them with God's help from Egypt. And then they wandered. And now they've come into this promised land, this place where they can have their own homes and their own land and they can raise their family. And they're now there and they've fought wars and they've, they've built and they have a legacy building. And Joshua, their leader in this text, the book of Joshua, is a story of his leadership. It starts with him taking over from his leader Moses, and now in chapter 24, he's at the end of his life. How many know the words that you speak at the end of your life sometimes are more important than the words at the beginning of your life? I was telling someone yesterday, the older I get, the less I seem to say. Sometimes I'm like, I don't have a lot of time for small talk. I don't have a lot of time for just filling empty space. Sometimes I kind of sit there and go, you know, I really want to put some weight on what I'm Saying Joshua is near his deathbed at this point and his words are chosen and they're calculated. And he's speaking to all of God's people. He's in an amphitheater type space and he's speaking to the leaders and he wants them to know what's important moving on. We pick it up in chapter 24. We're going to start reading here in verse 14 and 15. So he's talking to all the people. He says this, he says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors. They worshipped in the land beyond Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. If you have a pen today, if you have an old school Bible, you can mark in. You need to underline, serve the Lord alone. Verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today uh, today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors who serve beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in the land you now live? But for me and my family, other versions say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you're taking notes today, I want to just talk on this topic on this very special Sunday for the next few minutes. This title, My House. My house is more than a basketball th- uh, uh, saying when you're guarding the key. It's, it's more than just a song. It is actually a truth and the power of the scriptures today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Father, we're not just into motivational talks. We're not just into motivational music. Father, we believe there is power whenever you connect with us. Father, we're thankful for today that you're here. We're thankful for every person that's here. And we pray these next few minutes that, God, we would learn from your word. Help me speak truth today, more than just opinion, more than just uh, insight, but, Father, your truth today from your word. Father, help them listen well. Help me speak well. And, Father, may we leave here closer to you than when we walked in, more in love with you than when we walked in. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Every saying, every family has their own sayings. Have you realized this? You're out of some families Anybody know, some of your families have your own unique saying. If you're a Newfie in this place, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You have your own sayings. They don't make sense to the average person, but some families say certain things. that It's just just what you do. Growing up, our family was no different. I remember I spent most of my summers in Newfoundland, which explains a lot about me. And uh, not just Newfoundland, but like in the middle of nowhere, Newfoundland. Like you were so far in the woods, you had to come out to hunt. That's how deep you were. Like you know, you're in the middle of nowhere when you got to come out to hunt, and we were in the middle of nowhere, and my, it was as newfie as you can get, and I never forget my mother would say things like, "Don't hang out with those kids in the neighborhood. They know word. They know words the devil don't know." That's what she would say, and it was true. And uh, couldn't make them out if they were swearing. I don't know, speaking in tongues. What were they doing? I don't even know. These Newfoundlanders. And and uh, I never forget my grandfather was a man didn't say much, and he was a, a lobster fisherman, deep sea fisherman, and. Uh, I'll never forget this. One day we were going out in the boat with him to go jigging, and, and he was going by his friends, and they'd pull up next to the boat, and the shortest conversation in Newfoundland is this conversation and this thing. He'd look at his friend John and say, Earn Smyrn? And John replied, "Nern." <laughs> now, if you don't speak Newfie, let me translate for you this morning. What he was saying was, Earn Smyrn is any this morning. Earn is any. Smyrn is this morning. So he, I know, some of you are like, what? That, this is Canada. As a." As of 1949, I think it was. It's Canada, but it's "Ern Smyrn." Ern Smyrn, and then John would say, "There's no fish." He'd just go "Narn." That was the shortest conversation. Arn Smyrn, Narn. Once in a while, me and my brother look at each other and just go, "Ern Smyrn, Narn, Narn." sayings. We had another one growing up. My mother used to say, and, and, and bear with me before you get offended with the statement, because she's Newfie number one, and she's in her 70s, so she doesn't care what you think. Uh, and, and she's here. Uh, uh, but she, she used to say this one all the time. Whenever she's trying to motivate us, whenever I couldn't do something or didn't want to do something, I was lazy or I was frustrated or I felt like I couldn't accomplish something, she'd say, think, this was her saying, think how many stupid people can do that? Thanks, Mom. I'm feeling really encouraged. Some of you listen to motivational speeches by great coaches. My mother's motivation speech was, think how many stupid people can do what you're trying to do. And I'd be like, that is so rude. And I'd start thinking, think, yeah, they're really stupid, and they can do that. I'd start going through my list of, you know, we all do that, right? Like, I'm smarter than them, and I'm not smarter than them, and... I'm thinking I'm faster than them. I'm definitely not faster than them. I start going through the list. i never forget, I couldn't drive a standard. Uh, it, was, it was an old Suzuki Jeep, and those, those clutches, and I was like trying to drive, learn on this hill. I got frustrated. I got out of the driver's seat. I'm like, I can't drive a standard. And I got out of the car and popped the clutch, and she puts her foot on the brake and pulls the handbrake up, and I'm like, I'm done. You drive. I don't want to learn anymore. And she says, Michael, as only a Newfoundland mother could, put her finger in my face. Think how many stupid people can drive a standard. And I started thinking, there's a lot of stupid people that can drive. I get back in and learn how to drive. (laughs) You know one thing she's never said? Think how many stupid people can plant a church. She never said that, actually. That would have helped me, probably motivate me a little bit. This one was always in my family, and I heard it around the church when I grew up, was this saying, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Usually whenever there was a culture clash of like maybe I wanted to go to that party in high school or my sister, she was the bad one in the family and she's here somewhere too. She was just bad news. And if you think of my sister, pray for her often. But, uh, but whenever she was testing the boundaries of my family's beliefs or culture or, or if, if another family was doing something, I was like, man, why can't we do that? My mom would say, no, 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 no. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. That was like, that's it. That's the end of this discussion. Foot is down. No more talk about it. It is done. Go to bed. As for me and my house, I'm like, but mom, I just want G.I. Joe action figures. No, no. As for me and my house, can I please watch Smurfs, mom? Can I please? Please. I want. No, as for me and my house, we won't watch Smurfs. We will serve the Lord. You laugh, but that was my childhood. explains a lot. You know, in this text today that we're talking about, this is where that saying comes from. Joshua was talking to the people of Israel, and he says, you must choose today who you're going to serve. He's like, you can go back to where you came from in your bondage and serve those gods. And I can't unpack it today, who they served in Egypt, different gods they worship. But back in your bondage before you knew freedom, you can go back and serve those gods. He said, now the land you live in today, well, we're, we're, we're battling things, and this culture has its own gods. You can serve these gods, or you can serve God Almighty, but you need to choose today. But as for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. I realized that though this was written thousands of years ago, it's the same discussion today. Sometimes we struggle with, whenever things get tough, I want to go back to what I knew. Sometimes you know, that, that, that songwriter said, sometimes the good old days weren't always so good and tomorrow's not as bad as it seems. I think that was Billy Joel or Mellencamp, one of these guys. Sometimes we look back fondly, don't we? We go back and go, oh man, if I could just be back in my 20s again. Man, if I could just be single and ready to mingle. If I could just go back. Do you remember your 20s? You couldn't find your butt in the dark with both hands. You didn't have a clue. You're what am I doing with my life? Panic. Twenty-year-olds are like, "Don't come back here." I wish I was in my 30s because I'd have some things figured out and family and careers and some stability. And we can go back. And sometimes we want to go back to our dysfunction and go back there. And other times, the culture we live in—I want to let you know—Canada uh, is not a Christian culture. People think it's a Christian country. It's not. There are things. uh, We we battle selfishness in our lives, in our culture. We battle greed and lust. We battle a lot of things. And Joshua was saying, much like today, he said, you can go back and serve the gods you used to serve. You can serve the gods that everybody else wants to serve, or you can serve the true God. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, it's interesting today that when Joshua started, he started with giving people a choice. You need to know this about church and faith. Faith is a want to, not a have to. Sometimes people don't get this because when people get excited about church, like, why are they so excited? Are they making you go there? I don't know. They seem pretty, there's a lot of pressure to go to church. No, no, this is a want to, not a have to. If you're here today, I really hope that you're here because you want to. I really hope that this is a passion. And Joshua said to people, you need to know today, serving God, when you say, 'I I wanna follow Jesus Christ, it has to be a choice. It cannot be demanded. It must be chosen. I grew up in a home where my mom had their sayings, and as for me and my house, but I came to a point in my life where I had to decide, okay, that's my, that's my parents' choice. What about my choice? You need to know about this today, that this faith has to be chosen, not demanded. Sometimes people say, well, why don't you chase people when they don't come to church anymore? No, I love people, but I ain't chasing why? Because you need to know. like, like this, is a have, this is a want to, not a have to. And we'll love you, and if you need help. And, but listen, this is a place that we come together. We get to do this. We don't have to do this. On our teams today, we're here today, and we sometimes think, man, we got responsibilities. No, no, we get to be a part of this team. We get to lead worship on the stage. I get to preach. Don't feel bad for me. I get to do this. I don't have to do this. Our kids' ministry get to do this. They don't have to do this. There's something about it, about the power of choice. Joshua also says today, which I think is a powerful truth, he starts with, as for me, and then he says, my house. I want to remind you, whether you're a parent or a leader, it always is an individual decision before it becomes a a corporate suggestion. Joshua starts, he didn't say, no, no, my family's going to serve God. He didn't say, no, you all need to serve God. He says, as for me, all my friends, I don't want to be a full-time pastor and a part-time disciple. I don't want to be a uh, uh, full-time person on a stage preaching the gospel and a part-time follower of Jesus Christ. As for me, forget Nova Church, forget Nancy and my kids, as for me, I choose today to serve God. It's always a personal decision. And today I want to remind you that we get to do this, but we all have to make that decision. And then he goes on and says, I've decided, but as for my house, we will serve the Lord. And there is a power in this today, of this saying, as for me and my house, uh, we must personally choose if we're going to serve God. And you need to know this, parents especially, at some point your kids will have to make their own choice about this. And the truth in this is this, that their choice down the road when they decide whether to serve God or serve something else and we'll all serve something we'll serve fame we'll serve money we'll serve sex we'll serve regret we'll serve pain everybody's serving something but your kids will have to make their own decision but it will largely be based off of the god you show them here's what i've learned in my life faith is more caught than taught have you realized that yet Faith, we believe in teaching and sound doctrine and unpacking scriptures. But most of my faith was caught from my parents, then taught by my parents. You ever find yourself acting like your parents? Sitting like your parents? I'll be, I'll be sitting somewhere, and my sister will be there, and she goes, Oh, you look so much like Dad right now. And I love my father, but I'll quickly straighten up my back. I'm like, No, I don't. Right? Why is that? I'll say a joke, and people are like, You are so corny, just like your father. I'm like, no, I'm not. The difference between me and my father's jokes is mine are funny because <laughs> I'm in denial. But the truth is, my humor is very much like my father's. I was looking at my hands the other day. I was looking at my hands. I'm like, I see more my father's hands than my own hands, the older I get. Isn't it interesting that most times we walk a certain way? You ever meet somebody and go, I knew you were from that family by the way you walked. You ever see the kids walking around here? They walk just like their parents. They walk and you're like, I, I knew that was your kid. They talk a certain, they dress a certain way. They act a certain way. You're like, man, I, I knew, I knew I, I knew your father. I knew your mother. I knew your brother. Why? Because I realized that most of this is more caught than taught. Faith is the exact same thing. Parents, leaders, whether you have kids or maybe you will have kids or wherever you're leading in life, leadership, and in this case, parenting is more caught than taught. They will do more what they see than what they hear. Your life is shouting so loud they can't hear your words. And I'm reminded that our kids, my kids, they'll have to make this choice for themselves at some point. It'll be, it'll be very much based off of the God I show and the actions I live, more than anything I say on this stage. My life is a larger sermon than any microphone can handle, on and off the stage. This week, I, in a moment of just frustration, I lashed out and I had to go apologize to my daughter. People go, like, you apologize to your kids? Yeah, because I mess up, and I say things I shouldn't say. Why? Because she needs to know that, that being in charge is not about being right. It's about being vulnerable and truthful. And at some point, am I the only parent that says things sometimes? You're looking at me. You're judging me right now. You're not helping me right now. I'm feeling really bad. Someone else needs to grab this microphone and preach right now. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, man, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I wasn't engaged enough. I want to remind you today. They're going to catch it more than they're going to be taught it. Today, talking about, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does it look like for a house that serves God today? Three things I thought of today, talking about me and my house, whether it be you by yourself, going, as for me, what does it look like for you to serve God today? What does it look like for your house to serve God, for my house? Three things came to mind. First thing is, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It means that we gather. That means we go to church. Church. And there's this tension, isn't there? It's like, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. You just said that you don't have to go to, you don't have to do anything. No, no, but if you choose to serve God, church becomes a priority. See, church won't make you a Christian. Did you know that? Sitting in here won't make you a Christian. No more than going sitting in your garage will make you a car. But this is where Christians gather. And those seeking, whether you're far from God or close to God, this is where you gather. You go to expect to find cars in parking garages. I've realized that church needs to be a priority if you're going to say, yes for me and my house. Because some things are caught more than taught. And sometimes they need to catch things in an atmosphere that you can't provide on your own at home. Jesus taught us when he taught his disciples to pray. He didn't say, my father, who is in heaven? He said, gather around. Let me teach you how to pray. Our father. Who is in heaven? Because why? We were meant to do this together. There is a power in doing this together. That's why there is coffee. That's why there's Nova groups. That's why we get her to bed and comb our hair, some of us comb our hair. We wipe our face and come in here. Why? There is something when we gather together that helps us that we can't do it on our own. We are better together. If God is a priority and your house wants to serve God, we must not forsake gathering together. It's a priority. In fact, it says this in Hebrews, in the message version, chapter 10. Can I read this together? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. So let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging, uh, in encouraging love and helping out. First of all, I love that. Let's see how inventive. I believe as a church, we should be creative on how we can encourage people and love people and help someone out. we got to be brainstorming, going, what can I do this week to help a teacher at school? Teachers have our kids more than we do. They are the front lines of family and culture. We need to believe in our teachers. Not because you want your kid to get a better grade or get on that sports team, but drop off some donuts or some healthy muffins. Sometimes our teachers only hear from us when we're not pleased with them. But sometimes we need to hear from them and say, hey, you're doing a great job and my kids loved your class. And we need to think of inventive ways to bless teachers and law enforcement and principals and government and parents and teenagers. And we got to be sitting around brainstorming not how to dig up hurts from the past, but how to how can we encourage somebody, love somebody, help somebody. Let's get inventive. Let's get creative about this. Then it says, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. I love that. Worshiping together and spurring each other on. I'll tell you, some days I walk in here, I know I'm the preacher, but some days I walk in here and I'm not on top of the world. The world's on top of me. And all of a sudden I run into somebody here. I run into Michelle. He just came back from out west and I see the, the, the fire in his eyes and the joy in it. I'm like, it's good to be in church today. I see Sherry. Well, it's a little more difficult for you to get to church, Sherry, than the average person. She comes in here, doesn't want anything, doesn't need anything, just and gives the best hugs. And I'm like, you know what? You're spurring me on today, Sherry. I feel like I got some joy, in my, joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I see some of these teens that come and help us set up. I'm like, oh, it's good to be here. If they can do it, I can do it. I see some of you no hair and gray hair. I'm thinking, you got more aches and pains? You think, no, 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 I need to come to church. And you spur me on. There's something about coming together. Gathering matters if God is a priority in your life. He matters. And we need to get our families in this atmosphere. It changes things. It's a together thing. As for me and my house, it's a together thing. There's something about being together. That's why Thanksgiving is together. That's why Christmas is together. That's why we celebrate together. Church is a together thing. Faith is a together thing. It's a priority in our life. For me and my house, I have to choose for myself but I'm bringing my house with me. You better believe it. Me and Nancy got married. We said, as for me, she said, as for me, we're going to serve the Lord. And then we said, as for our house, my house, we will serve the Lord. The second thing that's a priority, as for me and my house, is our commitment to grow. It grows. It grows. Committed to growing in our love for God and our love for people. You need to know this today. 2 Peter 3, 9, 18. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever, amen. Listen, faith is not a box you check. It's a journey you walk. This is the difference between religion and faith. Religion is, I went to church. All right, make no mistake, people do this here. I've done that in my life, I'm not, I went to church. I checked that box, check. Laundry, check. Oil change, check. Went to church, Check. Faith is not a box you check, it's a journey you walk. We are committed to growing. I was talking to this preacher, uh, pastor from Ontario yesterday. He's like, Mike, I'm committed. We're telling our people to grow. I'm committed to keep growing as a leader. I'm trying to preach without notes. I'm trying to pray more. I'm trying to lean in and understand more. I wanna know God more. He says, I'm committed. Though I'm leading this church of thousands, I'm committed to not stop growing. Let it be said, as for me and my house, We are committed to growing. I want to pray more efficiently than I did last year. I want to risk more than I risked last year. I want to give more of my time and of grace and of love and of finances than I did last year. I want to know his voice clearer. I want to love people better. I want to grow in this. As for me and my house, we are committed to growing. That means we're going to push ourselves. That means we're going to stretch ourselves. That means we're going to lean in and step out and dare God to show off. Can I encourage you? As for me and my house, to serve the Lord means I'm going to grow. The scripture says, be committed. It says, rather, you must grow. So many times churches, even in my own life, we get stuck going, I I checked the box, I showed up, and we're there for 20 years, 15 years, 40 years, but we don't grow. We were miserable when we walked in, and we're miserable now. I made the church. Listen, attendance is one thing. But there's a growth that needs to happen. Oh God, may I be stronger. May I be more loving. May I be more forgiving. May I be quicker to say I'm sorry this year than I was last year. Committed to growth. Third thing today is we're committed to celebrating and walking in grace. Grace, there's a word, isn't it? Grace. I always love when I meet people named grace because it's an amazing word. Grace gets misdefined and people filter it and use it in different ways. Let me define grace for you today. Grace defined is this, unearned and undeserving favor of God to those far from him. That means you can't earn it. Grace, you can't deserve it. You can't work up to it. Grace means you you don't even deserve it. You haven't worked for it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. It's undeserved. That's what gifts are. When I give my kids Christmas gifts and birthday gifts, it's not like, thank you for this. I know I took the garbage out five times last week, and I know I've been a really good kid, and, and, and I, I know that I've made my bed, and I said I love you three times a day. I give you three hugs each day, and I really feel like this is, I deserve this Christmas gift. It's like, a good Christmas gift leaves you speechless. It's like, oh wow, really, you shouldn't have. How did you? How did you hide? Where did this? How did you order? When did this? Show? I don't. I can't believe you knew. I wanted this. It's like wow. I'm overwhelmed. It's not like yeah. I was expecting this. It's about time I get paid. No, no. Paid wages are what you deserve. Grace is what you don't. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Listen. Sin will give you paydays coming. You get what you deserve. Grace is what you don't deserve. Grace is what you have not earned. Grace is undeserving. Grace is the acceptance of God while still in the mud of your sin. But it's also the power to get out of it. Grace is not just the past. Some people go, yeah, uh, I'm living in sin. I'm just doing my own thing. But grace, God covers me. God loves me wherever I am. He accepts me wherever I am. That's true. but That's only half of grace. Grace is not just to love you in the mud. It's also the power to get you out of it. I think of it this way. Grace is not a parking pass to stay in the ditch. It's the four-wheel drive to get out of the ditch. Grace says, I see you in the ditch. I accept you in the ditch. I love you in the mud and the pain. But I also have power available to get you out of the ditch, out of the mud, get you back on the road, and growing in your faith. That's what grace is. Grace is the unearned, unmerited favor of God and the power to move out of it. The mud you're in. We are committed to grace. And when you say, as for me and my house, what you're saying is we're committed to grace from God. Oh, this is so good. But also for others. That means, God, I need your acceptance when I mess up. Some of you today, you're sitting there going, man, if you knew where I was last night, like, I I can't believe I'm in church right now. Last night is still on me. You're in the right place. You're sitting there going, oh, man, I I, I drove in in a nice car and I'm wearing nice clothes. My life is a mess right now. There's no mud on my shoes but i feel like there's mud all up in my life you are in the right place right now but the grace of god is not just accepting you where you are there's also a hope and a promise that there's power to get you out of that mud we just sing this song out of the miry clay and then he set my feet on a rock god loved you in the mud but he set you on a rock he loved you in the ditch but he got you back on the road The grace of God is acceptance where you are, but the power to take you higher. I want that from God, but I also want to have more of that for others. That means we love people right where they are. And then we're inventive and we're creative in ways to help them get from where they are to where they need to be. That means other people, when they fail, you're going, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they hurt me. Yeah, they're in their mud right now. They're in some pain. Hurt people hurt people. Did you realize yet? People that are bleeding from wounds, emotional wounds, past wounds, sometimes they may have got stabbed and hurt in their past emotionally, but they'll bleed on you in the present. Go, look, what a mess. What a mess they made my life. Listen, hurt people need grace from us. Going, we see where you're at. We love you where you're at. But we love you too much to leave you there. If God took us to another level, we need to have grace as for me and my house. I didn't get invited to. I felt discouraged by that. I can't believe they said that. That was really painful. Yeah, okay. We love them. And then let's try to help them. be better. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In a culture that disposes of us when you're no longer useful, choose today to serve a God that loved you most when you were furthest away. That's the God we choose today. In a culture that says as long as you're relevant, we'll use you. As long as your ideas are cool, we'll hang out with you. As long as you're fashionable, I'll friend you. As long as you have money to pay, I'll be around you. In a culture that uses you and then loses you, I choose today to serve a God that loved me most when I was furthest away. Today, we have a special day of dedications of some families. In a moment, I'm gonna get them to come to the stage. We're gonna pray for some families today. But the Bible says, as for me and my house, it always starts first with a personal decision. Today, whether you're a teenager or a young adult or a senior, maybe you have kids, maybe you've never had kids. It's, it's not really about that. It always starts with personal. As for me, I choose today to serve the Lord. Today, I want to give you a chance to accept Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as someone that can meet you where you are and then help you start a relationship with God, the God that loves you, the God that made you, the God that has plans for you you he's alive and he's good some of you are feeling it even today you feel like man there's something different going on i just want to cry some of you are like man i just never felt so much peace it's god connecting with you right where you are he wants you to know he loves you he's crazy about you the bible says if you confess with your mouth if you say hey i need help god and you believe in your heart that god's gonna come and help you it says that he will rush in and help you and save you from where you're at today in a moment I'm gonna give you a chance to pray Say, Mike, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I've never, I've never said publicly, you know what? I want to serve God. If you could just bow your heads just for a moment and close your eyes and make this a private moment. We can even dim these lights a little bit, Brad. That'd be awesome. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want me to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do on the count of three. You're just going to raise your hand. I'm, going to say, I'm just going to pray for you and believe today. You're going to say, as for me, I want to serve the Lord. Today, some of you, it's a new start. It's a fresh beginning. Some of you didn't see it coming on a Sunday morning. You thought it was just a regular Sunday, checking a box and going to church, finally going with that friend that invited you. But today, a miracle can happen, and grace can rush in, and God can love you right where you are and help your tomorrows. If you want prayer today, on the count of three, one, if that's you, today is your day. Two, God is so good. He loves you right where you are. If that's you, three, just slide your hand up all over this place as high as you can. I see that hand. I see you put it right back down. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it right back down. You can put it right back down. We're going to pray today. As for me, as for me, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you that you said you're as close as the mention of your name. Even now, we feel your presence. We feel your goodness. God, I pray for those that raised their hands today. It'd be more than just raising their hand in a moment. But God, you said that you would rush into that moment that you'd be close, and I pray right now for every person that said, God, as for me today, I want to serve you. I pray right now that you would rush in. Father, forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for our choices that were far from you, and today we acknowledge that you are God, you are good, and we need your help. God, would you make yourself known? Would you make yourself real? Would you become Lord of their life? In Jesus' name, and everybody said...